think you could never be vegan? You're in the right place. Think there's something big you'd really like to do, but probably too late? You're in the right place. My name's Michelle Olander. I think there's never been a more important time to move in a vegan direction. So I'm here every week to cheer you on, offer you actionable tips and strategies as you veg your best. Episode 160-something, 160-something, the vegan veto and the vegan vote. Hiya. Hiya. Welcome back, my veggie bestie. Welcome back. And I want to, I want to welcome myself back too. I haven't done a solo episode for a little bit. And unless you're an eagle-eyed viewer of Veg Your Best on Instagram, you may not have known that I've been out of the office for a bit. Not just out of the office, out of the continent. And for the last several episodes, they've been interviews. Those were recorded in advance so that my husband and I could have a little trip to Sicily, Malta, and uh, London where there were still some old things I had not yet seen and raptured over. And I'm not going to go on and on, but I did see the Caravaggio painting of the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist in Valletta, which I never really believed I would see for myself in person. It's a large altar painting from Caravaggio's later and quite troubled period for the Order of the Knights of St. John on Malta. And well, here, here, here's your trivia. Here's your trivia. Apparently, it's the only work that the artist Caravaggio is known to have signed. And in this work, the uh, beheading of St. John the Baptist, the signature is in the blood of the Baptist's neck. Okay, that's, uh, that's your trivia. Maybe one of these days I'm going to start a podcast about my pet art history enthusiasms, but don't worry, you're safe. This is not the day. This is, this is actually just a long way of telling you a little bit about where I've been and also uh, what a good sport my husband is. We saw a lot of old things. And if you're new here, if you're new here, my master's was in medieval art history. And once in a while, it bubbles up into my vegan podcast. And last night we got home quite late and I was awake for this whole day at about 3 a.m. So I think this will probably be a pretty short episode, that episode number 160 something, the vegan veto and the vegan vote. So as you may all know from earlier episodes, when I talked about my vegan beginnings, One of the things that particularly struck me as impossible about being vegan was the idea of maybe being able to go to these ancient cities I longed to see or these monuments of art that I had studied and being in Italian or French or Maltese or Corsican or Croatian villages and not eating the dairy, eggs, fish, and meat that I was served. Not basically just not eating what I was given. And this may sound very old fashioned, 
but I was definitely raised to eat what I was given, to take it, eat it, not make a fuss. And for a long time, the idea of deciding to not eat animals or their parts was associated in my brain as this kind of idea of making a fuss. Now, I know some other people struggle with sometimes feeling deprived. For me, that was never the feeling. The feeling I had the hardest time with was that I was being disrespectful to someone's culture. And you know, maybe I should just butt in right here with it. The process of change and learning and goal setting, this is so individual. There are overarching um tools and concepts which work. And that's why I believe so much in coaching, because I do believe coaching tools are one of the best ways to help people see um, that it's not just five tips to go vegan or six ways to get your family to support you. It's to instead see how you are part of the obstacle that you are creating for yourself personally, because we can't change those other people, right? What are you not doing that you say you want to? And what are you doing instead? That is the overarching question in in coaching and helping you do it in a way that approaches those blocks for you specifically. That's so much more efficient with a coach, so much more efficient with a coach, especially a coach you trust who only wants to help you do what you want. Because the five things I needed to do to develop my vegan practice, they're not the same as everyone else's. The things standing in the way of your goal are ideas and thoughts that make a lot of sense to you and that you've been practicing for a long time. Of course, there is a cost to making new choices. There's a cost to taking new actions and there is There's some discomfort there until you get some practice. And that's what coaching is designed to do is to help you get that practice in a supportive, kind, and productive space. It doesn't take 20,000 hours or whatever whatever that number is that Malcolm Gladwell talks about. It doesn't take 20,000 hours to get easier to be vegan. I mean, maybe to become some sort of world-class, internationally renowned vegan. But no, it gets easier pretty quickly. As long as you're treating yourself with some respect and honoring that it's sometimes hard and it's sometimes at odds with the mindset you've been practicing for a long time. There's a note I have here on my computer that says, 90% of the rocket fuel on board a spaceship is just used for liftoff. 90% of the rocket fuel on board a spaceship is used just for liftoff. This is most likely a, a gross oversimplification of rocketry. And the aeronautic engineers out there and the NASA executives among you are probably just shutting this off. But for the rest of us, I like an analogy. It takes a lot more to take off than to keep on keeping on. It takes a lot more to get started, to push that first few steps 
than to just keep on keeping on. The biggest problem is if you then stop, then you need all this fuel again to get you into motion again. Stop or give up and you lose that momentum. So as I started to say at the top of the episode, I was just in Sicily and Malta and London. And it is no longer a big deal at all for me to be vegan. It really isn't. It's no long it's no longer an issue for me to occasionally insist on being vegan or to occasionally interrogate somebody about no no what's actually in there. <laughs> a few things were offered to me um actually at a hotel that is quite sophisticated and you would have thought they would have met a thousand more vegans just in the last month or two, but uh, a few few people get it completely wrong, and that's okay. And it take it used to take a lot out of me. It takes nothing out of me anymore. And one of those things that's evolved over time, the efforts that I made, the skills that I learned, the practice that I got, the fluency I developed in asking for what I want or asking someone to help me. That just stays now because I don't give up. I don't let it completely fall apart and have to start over again. So this is what in coaching, we can help you get that first push with a lot of help, with a lot of support, with a lot of tools, and then create a practice for yourself where you just keep doing a little better, keep doing a little more. And when you mess up, you figure out what went wrong. You know, as I've gotten more fluent in vegan, uh, the people around me and the people around the people around me have also started to see it as something, uh, started to see veganism as something that's pretty necessary in this world, right? They've started to see that having a vegan option is pretty necessary at get-togethers or restaurants or events. And there is an expression the vegan veto. The vegan veto, meaning even if only one of maybe 10 people in a group is vegan, if there are no reasonable vegan options, the other nine non-vegans will veto that menu or that restaurant. No vegan choices? Well, not going. Even many people who have not even a single thought of limiting or eliminating the consumption of animals, even those people very often do not want to be somewhere that their vegan nephew or colleague or mother-in-law won't be able to enjoy dinner. Businesses more and more are noticing that if they don't have something for vegan me, the rest of my friends and family aren't coming either. The vegan veto. Many, many years ago, it was explained to me that among the Sikh community, there's a commitment to large-scale volunteer kitchens dedicated to feeding people for free. And uh, those Sikhs are not, uh, they're not all vegetarian. The food in these kitchens always is. It's always vegetarian, and it's always prepared in ways so that anyone of any caste or religion will be comfortable eating there. That's the vegan veto. If we can't all go there, we're not going. 
Now, the vegan vote is simply staying in your lane, keeping your eyes usually just a few paces ahead. I choose this and not that. I want to underwrite this and not that. I vote for food that does less harm. Now, there's no such thing as no harm, is there? And sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm still treading on ants and worms and you're breathing in little things and eating those things I can't even see on your apple peel. Where does it even end, Michelle? And that's true everywhere for thoughtful people, isn't it? It's true about every decision we make. We learn by showing up and staying conscious when we can. For example, you probably pick up some trash at the park or on the beach, right? You can't get all of it. Goodness knows I've tried. You cannot get all the beach trash up, but you vote with your effort to make a difference. Sometimes you just pick up one thing. You smile at a crying kid, maybe in a stroller, who is just completely melted down. You can't make him smile. You can't make it better, really. But maybe, maybe it takes the tension out of the air for tired mom and dad. You vote with your expression. You hold the door for the person behind you. No, you don't take over carrying their shopping bags and bring them home in your car or pay for their cab, but you treat a stranger with some empathy and respect. You vote with your actions for a world where people hold doors for each other. You can't make all the difference. I can't make all the difference. None of us can make all the difference, but we can always make a difference. And that is the vegan vote. You know, as you know, as I was just saying, I was in Europe and there's all sorts of news there right now about a number of European governments who have long subsidized um, industrial animal agriculture responding to a significant drop in demand for eating certain animals, especially pigs, by changing the subsidies instead to support these food companies transitioning to other products. Now, will this be perfect and a panacea and be a blessing to all humanity? Most likely not. Most likely not, but it is the vegan vote. Even non-vegans can make a vegan vote. We choose kindness. We choose to push back against assumptions of eating animals born into factory cells. We limit harm where we can. We learn about options. We treat people and other animals with respect. The vegan veto, the vegan vote, thanks to a lot of people, these things exist A lot of people who do not identify as vegans, that vegan veto, that vegan vote is thanks to people who are not committing to practicing a vegan lifestyle, at least, at least not yet. And if you are vegan, you are doing your best in this area. And there are all sorts of other areas we need to practice, right? So I want to thank you to all the many people who have used their vegan vetoes and your vegan votes 
no matter where you are on the vegan spectrum, you make a difference. And I hope you'll keep making a difference. And I hope that on the occasion when you're a little miffed or stressed or annoyed about how somebody else is showing up in the world, that you'll thank them for the difference they are making. And if you get something, if you get something from this podcast, come on, I'm inviting you to bring whatever has got you stuck to a call or an email exchange with me. Email's great if you don't love the face-to-face thing or you can't commit to times on the calendar. But let's get you unstuck. Let's get you excited about your life and your choices. You get to test it out. It's always for free. Always. What are you not doing that you say you want to? Let's get to the bottom of that right now before this year is out. All right? It's free. All the uh, links are in the show notes. And until next week, practice your vetoes, practice your votes, and veg your best. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.